Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We're here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're going to talk about mentoring and listening skills that can be helpful for both youth leaders and parents. Maybe you've heard us talk a little bit about how some of the stuff we're seeing in our Gen Z data indicate that they struggle trusting institutions or even leaders. Uh, In their lifetime, they've seen a lot of important leaders and institutions uh, show disappointment, hurt, let down the people they claim to value. And Gen Z has a lot of voices around them telling them what to think, what to value, where to put their faith. Uh, So we want the church to be one of those places where God's voice is heard in his word and uh, that young people are hearing that regularly. Um, But in a lot of cases, parents and supportive adults uh, really need uh, some help uh, to develop the time and the skills to be able to share God's word and earn the right to be heard by young people. And sometimes we throw around the word or the idea of mentoring a lot, but we don't necessarily define it well. It can be one of those words that means lots of things to lots of different people. We hear from young people, especially those who want to be leaders in the church, that they want older mentors. They want to have someone who can give them guidance, someone who doesn't claim to have all the answers, but who is willing to help build relationships that keep them connected to the church. So as we're in this series about parents and and partnering with them, we thought it'd be really helpful to kind of tie some of those things together uh, and think about how we develop mentor mentorship skills for parents and supportive adults. And so we're excited to talk to Darcy Poppy. Uh, Darcy has 20 years of experience working with emerging young adult leaders in high school, church, and university settings. Uh, Currently, she serves the Concordia University, Wisconsin, as director of the Women's Leadership Institute, adjunct interpersonal communication instructor, and member of the campus ministry team. As director, she oversees a variety of volunteer work teams to fulfill the Institute's mission to educate, encourage, and embolden women in exemplary Christian leadership. The Women's Leadership Institute provides in-person events, leadership articles, an online academy, and a speaker's bureau. And in her campus ministry role, Darcy serves as a mentor and advisor for a variety of student ministry groups and works really closely with young women's ministry at Concordia, Wisconsin's campus. Uh, Darcy lives in Grafton, Wisconsin with her husband, Adam, and their two daughters, and one delightful full-sized doodle. (laughs) There's a lot going on in Darcy's life. Darcy, we're so glad you can join us. It's a pleasure to be with you. I am so excited to talk about mentoring and to get to hang out with the two of you and talk about young adults. This is so fun. Yeah, we got to hear briefly in your intro all the many places that uh, you are serving right now. But tell us a little more about your vocations, your roles uh, as it ties to be youth and young adult ministry and other things that bring you joy. Yes. So that, uh, you know, it's been my joy to get to work uh, with young adults, kind of my whole kind of calling. I was a teacher first, high school. Uh, so with English and theology, and I volunteered with a youth group out in Indianapolis as well, and was super jealous of those DCEs that got to hang out with youth all the time and get called by their first name. And so that's kind of how I made the move to uh, to being a DCE and to to being uh, getting my certification, my post back that way out in Portland and serving out there for five years with Concordia Portland. And I just fell in love with young adults. Like it's such a great time period of just learning about yourself and discovering your faith and 
uh, just learning what things matter, what things don't, and kind of processing the things that have happened early on and and then launching into kind of your calling, like your vocation. So yeah, it's it's my favorite. Uh, this Now in this season, I still get to do uh, campus ministry. I'm part of the campus ministry team here, uh, one of uh, five. And then I also get to be uh, director of the Women's Leadership Institute. Uh, and our mission is to educate, encourage, and embolden Christian women in exemplary leadership. Embolden, we define as courage to step into the places that God has called you to lead and to serve. So women in our church body find themselves serving or they see needs and they kind of step into that in lots of different ways. And we just want to come alongside and support those women as they do that. And uh, yeah, and part of that has been mentoring because lots of our women are passionate about that and they wanted content to be able to use to equip, uh, you know, themselves and equip their churches. And so that's kind of how we found ourselves, you know, with a, a mentoring program. That's great. Well, you've no doubt had opportunities to walk alongside young people and young adults through key moments of their life. Uh, we love to hear from guests on the show, uh, youth leaders like yourself, that maybe in your junior and senior high school years, can you share of maybe something that Jesus used as a key moment or moments or people to help bring you closer to him or the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two truly that uh, people that were significant in my kind of emerging kind of teenage years. So I went to a public high school and so did not, you know, Lutheran school up until fifth grade, but then public high school. And as far as I, I didn't talk faith with any friends that were actually in my, you know, middle school or high school, although I think some of them had it, we just didn't talk about it. And so in my church, there were two really formative people. My senior pastor, Pastor Jim Pingle at Bethlehem in Sun Prairie, uh, he was my eighth grade confirmation teacher. And I was the kid that raised my hand <laughs> pretty much about anything. I was just so hungry. Like I really wanted to know the why and the how. And I would stay after and ask him questions. And he just helped us dive in. I also really appreciated that. Part of his curriculum for confirmation, he had us walk through the book of Matthew. And Mm. for the first time, I got to kind of see how the story connected, you you know, read the story all the way through with with a teacher who could help explain it to you. And that just made the Bible really come alive for me. So he made us, um, myself and two other students, he put us in a car and drove us to Concordia, Wisconsin, and and just basically said, you are going to at least apply here. (laughs) <laughs> and I think we should be church workers. <laughs> and um, and of course, we were very resistant. At the time, I thought Concordia, Wisconsin looked like a hospital, and I was not going to go there. Uh, but the Lord worked on my heart. And wouldn't you know, uh, this was the place that I ended up coming for my undergraduate. And I fell in love and, and became a called teacher and then a called DCE. So he planted that seed early on, just that um, really... Um, fan that flame that was kind of sparked within me. And the other was a a young, like a volunteer. So she wasn't a professional church worker. Her name was Jody Sia Hearn, and she volunteered at our church and just had a kind, loving spirit, uh, loved music, and just would allow us to come over to her home and hang out with her kids. I actually worked at her 
she and her husband, he was Filipino, had a Chinese restaurant that they owned for a year. So I worked at her Chinese restaurant, like, so that we were just a part of their family. And so they were also mentors early on to me. And, and I love hearing as you talk about how God has brought you over the course of your career to different ways of caring for young people and, and different kind of uh, groups of young people. And as somebody who uh, sent a young person from my youth group to Concordia, Wisconsin, and heard many of the ways that you care for young people on campus, I'm curious to hear uh, what do you love about working with young people and their parents in, in the context that you're in right now? Wow, so much. I love watching them come in as freshmen and just that awkward, unknown, you know, what is my life going to shape up to be? And and then, you know, I just had a few, like over the last couple of weeks, just was so blessed with, you know, a few different groups of young adults that have come back. They came back with their one one couple came back with their three kids, you know, and I got to be a part of their story and and how they got together and now to watch them both, you know, church workers, you know, with with three children kind of serving in different capacities and um, and another two females, one um, who's doing her own podcast that I got to to speak with her about and uh, and also another that's a, a music leader at a church, you know, just got to hang out with them. So now they're you know, I don't know that, you know, they're millennials, so they're not even young adults anymore. They're like adults. And, but just getting to watch their journey. So to be with them in that uncertain, what is God even up to in my life? And then get to see this next stage is just, I just really feel blessed to be able to walk with them in that journey and that they would want to come back and kind of stay connected. I think I just feel really honored by that also. Um, and there's, and now being in it for 20 years, I think we have the the lens of being able to say more often, it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, it's it's hard right now, and it feels like there's going to be no end to this season, but it it's okay. God's going to be faithful. And I think that's really nice to be able to tell them also. And then, then I've learned a lot. I've been humbled a lot to realize that the more I listen and invite them, to really be a part of shaping how they handle problems, you know, what's, what places in scripture are comfort to them, uh, how their action plan, like helping them put together their own action plan for how to solve a problem. I'm learning to be more on the sidelines and getting to watch the Holy Spirit show up in their own story. And it's different for each one. And yeah, so I'm, I, I, I try, I don't, fix as much. I don't try to jump in and give my, you know, wisdom. Instead, I really just try to um to show up with them in in figuring it out. Uh just be a voice, a sounding board, ask the right questions. And it's just fun to watch them have those sparks and and confidence that, hey, I can do this. I can figure this out with God's help and with those around me. That's fun. That's great. Well we love the way that you are taking a lot of those experiences and that desire to encourage others into a curriculum that you put together. Um, it's called Growing Young, Let Your Mentoring Skills Take Shape. Uh, just tell us a little bit about why you designed it and what you hope it will do. Yeah, so there's a few things. We really wanted to reframe mentoring for congregations. And of course, uh, the, the influence that we have most directly with the Women's Leadership Institute is women. 
And so, you know, we wanted to introduce it to retreats and to women's gatherings um, specifically, but we're also finding that um, we've had some parent, like some pastors actually partner in helping to put the curriculum together and also helping to lead it in their congregations because they just really like the content too. The, the content itself is not uh, directed at just women. It is definitely for all. And uh, it's very much research mentoring uh, practices that are out, you know, basically in any interpersonal communication book that you would take in, you know, any course in college, a lot of the content would be found in a book like that. We're just framing it for congregations, really infusing it with God's word and making that a part of the curriculum and accessible so that, you know, they're easy steps that, uh, you know, anyone can start to practice and get better at learning. So easy tools. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit at the opening about like, uh, you know, kind of mentoring can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And, and I really love the places that you took this curriculum because it's it's really it's well rooted in faith and in, in, in scripture, but also really practical. Uh, but why is learning to mentor young people or learning those skills of mentorship important for parents and for youth leaders? Yeah, so I I'm going to be a little vulnerable here and I'll just share about my own parenting experience because I think that it's, it's very appropriate to just where things are at for many families right now. So we have a 12 year old who um, has celiac. So she uh, cannot, she has a wheat allergy and cross contamination. So even foods that may have even the minutest portion. So even if it's like a barley in a syrup, that can be something that could impact her. Or if it's, it's you know, cooked on something that had wheat on it before her food touched it, that can impact her. And so it's, it's quite a, it, it changes your life in different ways. And for her being in middle school, it changes how you hang out with friends. What I, you know, like just going to a youth group meeting and having pizza is just a little bit more complicated for, you know, our daughter. And so that's caused some social anxiety for her. And, uh, you know, and obviously then there was COVID that we went through and all these other things happening. And so that's become, you know, something that we've had to help her navigate. And uh, as much as I know these tools and, and I've used them with young adults um, for a number of years now, when it's your own child, you just want to reach in and fix it and just I want to just be able to tell my daughter what to do and that she'll do it and then it'll be better, right? That just seems simple. And of course, teenagers aren't going to do that. They're not just going to, you know, they, they're kind of finding their independence. And so for, for me, being able to put into practice what it means to reflective listen. So it's really, really listening to her very deliberately, repeating back what I've heard her say. And making sure I understand, checking for understanding. So that's, um, and then asking what she needs. Because sometimes, just like any of us in a couple, marriage relationship or anywhere else, we, we're not looking for someone to fix it. We need that space to process and to uh, discover um, what we need and maybe how to address it. So uh, even with my own daughter, um, I'm learning to reflective listening and, and then critical think. 
So the next skill is really separating out what can you control versus what can't you? What do we need to release and pray and give up to God? What is it that we actually could tackle and do something about? But I'm learning to ask questions. I'm learning to let her lead that. And then the beautiful thing is, is that we as parents then get to be the encourager and we get to watch how the Holy Spirit's working through our own children and that they probably do because we have been, you know, teaching early on. They do have a lot of it in them already. Um, They just need support to kind of process. And I'm not saying that, you know, she said, well, I think I'm going to go live at Walt Disney World because they have great gluten-free food. And that's going to be my solution. I don't know that I would, you know, it's, it's obviously helping to direct uh, what, you know, it, it still is putting guidelines in place for whatever she's processing, but it is giving her more freedom to, um, and making sure I understand first, because mm-hmm. a lot of what's happening in our culture is people are not taking time to really make sure that they understand one another. There's a great story about um, the CEO of Chick-fil-A and um, the president of an LGBTQ group that, that really was, was kind of blasting the president of Chick-fil-A for being Christian and basically anti-gay, you know, is it's kind of the words that he would use. And, um, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the president's name of, of Chick-fil-A, but he was intentional about meeting with this president of this LGBTQ group over and over again to just listen to one another and really seek mutual understanding and respect, even though their views are are very different. And how that has um, created a friendship between the two of them because of that willingness to listen. And of course, it opens the door for conversations that maybe wouldn't have happened otherwise. So I think there's a real need for listening skills. And if parents can model that for their children, then maybe our children can be that next generation that does a lot better with conflicts and and coming up with helpful resolutions to some of the problems in our world today. Yeah, I think some of those skills, when you get to the small bites of information from what's on social media now and just other ways, just the media in general, is that sometimes taking that time, taking that investment and what it understands to listen well hear the other person sometimes gets lost in the back and forth. I I know probably in that little explanation you gave, but thanks so much for doing that. You probably talked on some of these things. I wanted to, to jump in a little bit about uh, some things that you use in the curriculum around the six eyes of fruitful conversations. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, those eyes, uh, maybe some of the important ones to you or ones that you would start with about as people are thinking about getting into mentoring and just be able to connect with young people. How do those play out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I already started talking about the first, and that's really the reflective listening. And then the second part of that is emotion identification. So sometimes what we do when we, uh, you know, even as parents are listening to our children, is we automatically go to that, how we felt uh, when a similar experience happened to us. And I know I've even jumped into, oh, yeah, I know exactly how you feel. Or like this, you know, I can relate. This is what happened to me. And that's maybe not the time to do that. It's it's the time to to really reflect back what they said, but identify their emotion because the truth is they may not be having the same reaction that we did to that experience. Like they're their own person that got fearfully and wonderfully made. And so, um, and and I've used this example a lot, but it's it it clarifies this really well. So when Ava was five, 
um, one of my daughters, uh, she, uh, we were snuggling in bed together and she asked why is life so hard? And I was, that's a big question to answer for a five-year-old. And so I bought time by saying, well, what do you mean by that? Which by the way, parents is a great question. and is a great way to buy time. Well, what do you mean by that? Can you explain a little bit more? That's right. Yeah. It's, it's very helpful. And so, um, So she went on to explain that the claw machine at the pizza restaurant kept dropping the toy that grandpa was trying to get for her. And so they kept putting coins in and the claw machine was just not delivering that toy. So um, her question was really, why was the machine being unfair? And, And so I got to just reflect that back. So you're really asking why this machine was unfair. And she said, yes. So that was a much different question that I got to answer for her much easier than why is life so hard. (laughs) So it's, it's a much different. And so even just taking that little time to really reflect and then identify the emotion for her, it was this unfairness then that she was kind of frustrated about. Then that's helped uh, us have a really a better conversation about things. And I think that would dissolve a lot of our family conflicts if we just took that time to listen. And then what listening sets up is really that second of the six eyes. And that's, how do you want me to be involved? You know, so, okay, so you have this problem, like I've, I've listened and, and we've identified that you're frustrated, you know, you know, what, it, you know, it's not necessarily that she needs me to fix it necessarily. You know, it's, you know, what, what does she want? Maybe all she wanted was for me to listen to her frustration about it and be like, yeah, the machine is frustrating and it's not my favorite either, you know, and that's all she needed. It's kind of affirmation about her feelings. I validated them. And that, that was all, that's all she needed. She didn't need me to run to the restaurant and put in 10 more dollars until we got the toy, you know, so it was really affirmation. The other two would be coaching. So this is from a book, Thanks for the Feedback. Uh, you know, it's Harvard research. So, and so there's three types of feedback and there's the affirmation. So really someone, you know, just validating those feelings, encouraging, uh, saying, Hey, good job. Uh, those types of feelings. There's also coaching, which is, okay, you have this problem. Would you like some help? You know, so, you know, maybe it's a father to the son, you know, like, Oh, so you want to learn how to change a tire. Great. Like, I'd love to show you how to change a tire. So that would be coaching. The other is evaluation, which is more for workplace situations. Uh, so that w- those are the three types of feedback. So identify what they want, because sometimes they don't want you to fix it. They just, they really want you to just listen. And then once that is done, it's the critical, critical thinking skill. So it's really uh, how um, separating out what you can control versus what you can't. Mm-hmm. So um, with my daughter, Celiac, we can't change that she has that. But how can we make, how can we kind of relieve her anxiety in certain situations? And really it's equipping her with the tools to be able to talk to the restaurant workers herself and advocate for the things that she needs. It's letting her closer friends, the parents know, so they kind of prep ahead for food at houses so that, um, you know, or sometimes it's uh, the fact that Ava brings her own food along so she doesn't have to worry about inconveniencing someone, which is part of, you know, she feels bad making someone go out of their way um, to have something else there for her. So um, it's ways to kind of, those are things she can control versus the things she can't. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
helping her release the things that she can't control. Like whether someone, you know, is upset that she asked or, or um, feels inconvenienced by what she needs. Like she can't control that. She needs to, um, she needs to release that um, because she needs, she needs to feel okay. That's important. So those are the first three um, that I think are probably the most important. There's just uh, so much that you put into this training, and, and I'm sure you could talk about it for, for a long time. Uh, maybe just thinking about, like, what are some of the other uh, skills uh, for mentorship that you put into the curriculum or maybe didn't make it into the curriculum? Um, and how do those help uh, parents or youth leaders have really fruitful conversations with teens? And what kind of impact do you see that making um, in their relationship? Yeah, you're right. I could talk about this forever. So I will try to be more focused in my my uh my last pieces because I do think it's all important. And yeah, it's people can be overwhelmed by it also. Like even if it's just the listening, that's enough. That that'll make such a difference. Uh I think another fun thing to do, uh the searching scripture piece is something I'm I'm starting to do more. And so even just Praying a scripture with your son or daughter is so uh, powerful. So let's say, let's say it is about anxiety, but you know, I really like uh, Psalm 34. I think it's uh, three to five, I think are the verses. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered in shame. I love that passage. But then what it means to pray that scripture, you know, and uh, there's the little book of prayer. I think it was actually President Harrison who kind of put it together. And it's based off of Martin Luther and some of his prayers that he had done uh, as well. And I may be citing that a little bit wrong, but it, it, it does have to do with those two guys. And uh, there it's just, Lord, hear you teach. So taking that passage, Lord, hear you teach that. Uh, you know, that if I seek, seek you, my face will never be covered with shame, that I, that you will, you will take care of my fears, uh, that you will, you will uphold me. And so, and then the next one is, I confess, which is a hard part, but also good to say, often I try to control it myself and I don't seek you, but I'm thankful that's the next little piece of that, that you're with me anyways and you you continue to pursue me even when maybe I'm distant and that your grace is sufficient even in my weakness and and then finally asking that supplication that so I Lord I ask you know because what it does is it it frames what we're requesting of God through the lens of scripture which I think is a really powerful thing and it's a, a powerful tool to kind of do with our kids so that's that's another thing that's in the curriculum that's there. But uh, yeah, and then it's, you know, a mentor plan. So like it's, it's kind of them putting it on paper so that you can kind of follow up and you can check in and, and just encourage along the way. Give lots of grace if the timeline maybe is different than what people thought it might be. You know, just, just showing up with the person I think is, you know, is very important, you know. There were people in my congregation that were mentors to me. They didn't even know it yeah. just because they came up and they knew my name and they asked about the sport I was in or about the club that I was participating in because they, 
they wanted to know something about me. That made me want to keep showing up and keep doing well because I knew they were going to ask again. And I wanted to have something new to tell them. So there's little ways that we can mentor people in our congregation. And then there's very large ways, like intentional one-on-one time. But my encouragement is that I think my challenge is that if we're praying, Lord, use me, then be prepared to be used <laughs> because there's there's probably going to be a way, a, you know, an opportunity for God to use you to encourage someone else. There's so much that's there. And I, I was just think the thing that you just said, I mean, sometimes that mentoring piece uh, are just people that take the time, uh, be invested in young people. Uh, show that, that that care and love of Jesus in, in a lot of different ways. And just so many things that we could unpack about that and, and certainly the curriculum itself. But when a given opportunity that if there's someone who wants to find out more about the mentoring workshop and the resources, how might they do that? Or where would there be their first step be and in going deeper into this topic? Sure. So they want to come to our website, uh, org slash growing together. And that would show you what you get in the Growing Together curriculum. It comes with a participant guide, a facilitator manual. Uh, It has videos that are interviews with members around our church body that mentor in their own congregations and some of their experiences. And uh, there's PowerPoints that, you know, so if I, uh, you know, whether it's a volunteer youth leader or a, a DCE or a deaconess or a, or a pastor wants to kind of guide their congregation through this content, those PowerPoints are for them. And and we'll help coach, WLI will help coach, you know, help them figure out what content maybe to use and what circumstances, what they're looking to put together. You know, we're early on in this. We've been doing this for six months now, and we've done the training maybe eight to 10 times. And what we're finding is that People love the, the curriculum. It's it's giving them, like they resist doing the listening exercises because most think I'm a pretty good listener. And, and, then they, and then they really take the time to reflective listen and have it done to them. And they're like, wow, that's, that's different because it gives space for the conversation to go deeper than we often allow it to go. And uh, so that's like a big aha for congregation. So I really definitely encourage people to look at the content. We're willing to come out as a facilitator. We're actually working on some online trainings, um, which we hope to be ready by next fall, where if there's youth leaders that want to be trained to facilitate this program in their congregation or want to be a WLI facilitator for neighboring congregations, so someone in Nebraska who wants to be trained to do it in theirs, but also is willing to go to other congregations, we want to equip them so this content can get out. And because wouldn't it be great if we're all just connecting with each other in conversations and just feel more empowered to mentor, whether it's intentionally one-on-one or just being more aware to have those listening conversations with others. So yeah. websites, it's $250, but you can use the Thrive in Action team to purchase that. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic material. And like you said, uh, there's lots of people who do this very naturally. Mm-hmm. But even for those people who do it naturally, there's always great skills that can be learned. And for those people who who really do have hearts for young people, but but are like, I don't, I don't have any idea where to get started. Mm-hmm. So so practical uh, for them. Uh, so we really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of what's there. And then hopefully people will follow up with you. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. And listening to Darcy is thinking a lot about those champions that take the time 
to do that listening. Like I, I think that one of the things I really do struggle with our society right now is just that's, it takes time to do these things. And I think families sometimes are stressed then on time. Churches are, people are in general. And so this can be maybe counter to really what's going on in our society to take the time to listen well and teach young people to listen well too, as I think as they grow up and mature and see what's going on in the world. So I'm thankful for those champions who, like you said, do it naturally and can sit down and, and have that capacity to listen. But then Maybe that's you know one of the things the church can really work on, working with young people, is to be that place where we listen well, respond with God's word, show them grace, um, and then also help them be those people as they go out to the world to reflect that as well with their peers and other people in their lives. In our technological age, I, I don't think it's just young people who really struggle with, with skills around listening, with yeah, skills right. around assessing what it is that people want from us in terms of help and how we care for them well. And so I think that's something that we all can stand to continue to be good learners on and that things that we can practice modeling for young people. I mean, they're not going to naturally have these skills any more than we're going to naturally have those Mm -hmm. skills, right? And just like that, you have some young people who are really empathetic, who are good at having those conversations, sometimes better than some of the adults. Mm -hmm. But but all of that is stuff that we can um, practice, Mm -hmm. that we can learn more about, that we can engage in. And I think the more that we model it in all sorts of different settings, the more the young people around us pick up on those things. Yeah, I've been through exercises like that and how quickly I forget them, but how great they can be just to get to know somebody, but then also to hear yourself being heard and then also uh, to see someone else be able to open up about what's going on in their life and and be able to speak about Jesus into that, which is a beautiful thing. One of the things we talked to, if you were at National, we had young people who came up and talked about what are the things that you want from adults? And and one of the things that we had in that conversation, I can't remember if they said it on stage or not, but that was a part of that conversation was that young people don't want to be told, well, I know exactly how you feel, right? Because you don't. don't. They're, They're their own person and they're in a situation that maybe like what you've experienced in the past, but isn't exactly that. And so making sure that we are using empathy (laughs) well, and that we're not just cutting them off. Okay, well, I know, I know how you feel and I know how to fix it. And and this is just how we're going to move forward. But really letting them identify those feelings and own those feelings and then say, okay, how can I walk through that particular situation with you really is incredibly uh, valuable for them and good practice for us as well. I love that idea of being able to use scripture in that way to kind of pray for and engage young people in prayer. And that can be incredibly powerful. So, so much for us to be thinking about and and we're so grateful that they designed this curriculum for us to be able to share with you guys. Some closing questions for us to consider. First, how am I using reflective listening with my uh, children in my home or maybe with youth in my youth group? How can I surround young people with champions who will invest the time to listen well and to help reflect with young people? And finally, how am I teaching and modeling what fruitful conversations should look like to young people? We continue to keep you in our prayers as you listen to, as you pray for, as you mentor both your children and young people in the congregation. May the Holy Spirit guide those conversations to share God's love and care to them, both in difficult times and in joyful times as well. And Gold Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfu.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.